Feast your eyes and behold, Just off the elevator to the fifth floor of the Four Seasons Resort on the coast of Lanai, I'm Schmitty and this is Talkin' Schmidt. Today on the show is longtime friend Pancho Moller Pascal. Pancho was born in Chile and moved to the U.S. where he eventually became a professional skateboarder. He dabbled a bit in the porn industry and is currently an actor living in Los Angeles and has starred as Sickhead in the Rob Zombie movie 31. Every time Poncho's name comes up, I immediately think of one thing, and that is the fakey tray. So the fakey tray became a big deal because... I never learned 360 flips. And then I remember one time just doing fakey 360 shove-its. It flipped all the way and I landed it with one foot. I'm like, holy shit, that was a fakey 360 flip. That's how it became so big for me because I was. it was something that took me like 15 years to get this feeling that I could have felt a long time ago, you know. Also, I want to thank everyone that purchased the new neck face long sleeve shirt. Your orders are in and shall be shipped out November 6th. For those that want one, there are still a limited supply at TalkinSchmidt.com. I'm out on island time this week, so not sure how next week's episode is going to work. Mahalo for all your birthday wishes, and without further ado... Hello, this is Poncho Moller, and you're listening to Talking Schmidt. Love you, brother. It's cool, like tonight is the night. Here we go again. Give it the all-cause right here. Uh, big dogs in. What do you think, Schmitty? 96 times, Schmitty. Thanks, Schmitty. Beyond, Schmitty. Talking Schmidt. He's so fucking good, dude. <laughs> Shit my pants, lad. Your Rolodex is fucking deep. Are you ready? Come on, Schmidt. All right, everybody. I have just driven from SF over the grapevines, down into Los Angeles, and I have arrived at someone's house that I haven't seen in quite some time. He holds a very special place in my heart. We filmed for several years, and we've stayed in touch, but haven't really got to catch up as well as I hope to today. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Ponchi. <laughs> What's up, folks? <laughs> What's up, Pancho? How are you, Schmitty? Uh, so so good. good to see you, man. I'm hyped. Yeah. Fuck yeah. How yeah. long have you been here? This is LA. Fuck, man. I've been here like since 2000, maybe 2004. I moved down here with one of my ex-girlfriends. Uh-huh. Just because uh, skateboarding was starting to die for me around then. Not die for me, but like my career professional uh-huh. as a professional skateboarder was done. Right. That's a long time ago, if you think about it. And um, so I moved down here with one of my ex-girlfriends, who is a complete nutcase, by the way, but I'm not going to mention her name. But uh, she was a costume designer, so I figure you're not going to be able to do that in San Jose, really. So you have to be in the spot where you're in the limelight. So we moved to L.A. together, and it was, you know, it was a really good thing for me because... You know, one door closes, another one opens. I was able to find um, acting, but yeah, with with all that, we'll we'll get into that a little in a little bit. I uh, so I moved down here with her, and I've been down here now for like about sixteen years. Sweet. Um, it was it was a huge like reality check for me. 
you know, I, I was a skateboarder, like that's all I knew my whole entire life. And then it's like you do that from the age of 13, go to college, yeah, or travel the world skateboarding and do what you love. And that was what I did. You know, I, I was like, I want that one right there. Right. And my parents were just very supportive of it always just because I went through so many different sports growing up and I finally found one that was good to me and that I loved and I stuck with. So yeah, with that said, like I skateboarded and I loved it and it was my first passion for forever. Where You were born in Santiago? Yeah, I was born in Santiago, Chile, um, 1976 and uh, lived there till like I was about six years old and then my mom divorced my dad and, you know, she took me with her and... The, my the first place in the United States I lived was Hawaii, and so I came up there. Um, didn't know a lick of English, learned English, and then uh, my mom remarried, and then we moved to uh, California, and we lived there, and that's kind of where I found skateboarding. In which part? And uh, I lived in uh, Palm Desert, California. Oh. The town was actually called La Quinta, but like when I was a kid, I was very competitive, but I never ever saw myself as you know, a little person. Mm -hmm. I didn't see myself that as that until like about like fifth grade, you know, fifth. fifth grade when like, that's when I wasn't being chosen for the teams anymore. I wasn't, you know, it was like I was no one wanted me. And it, it, it was it, it was sad, you know, I, I just because I was good at everything. I was just smaller. Right. And that's when I kind of found skateboarding or skateboarding found me. I was uh, shopping with my my mom. I just went with her to this mall and these kids were just skateboarding this red curb for hours and hours. And I just remember watching them skate. And, uh, and I just remember seeing how happy they were to be able to like just do it by yourself, uh -huh. you know. And I was like, oh, man, I can do that. I can do that. And so my I just stayed out watching them skate and my mom came out and I was like, mom, that's what I want. For, that's what I want, you know, and she bought me a skateboard that Christmas and I just never turned back. Do you remember what the first board was? Shit, I think it was a, a Christian Hasoy hammerhead. Oh, sick. Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a Christian Hasoy hammerhead and I had it for a really long time because, I mean, for a kid and you're getting like a $130 gift, like you better have that for a while, you know? Yeah. So I skated the shit out of it for a good six months, you know, but I just... I, I, I thought it was going to last forever in that sense. You know, I, did, I, wasn't, I wasn't really doing ollies or anything, going up transition a little bit here and there, but just skating curbs. I, you know, I, that's how I started, uh -huh. kind of just sidewalk surfing. And then as I started to gain momentum and meet new friends that were way better than me, it, it just kind of slowly started changing for me. I started kind of like understanding it more and just starting to like you know learn ollies learn what the basics you know kick turns ollies you know like fakey ollies and we had no no noses back then so there was no nollies going off going on kick flips you know little just starting and then slowly starting to fall in love with it more and more and more and more and it was one of those things where my parents at the time like we're like, listen, you can keep doing this because we can see that you truly love it, but you just got to get good grades. And huh. so I, you know, that was, they always wanted me to do good in school before anything. And right. So, yeah, I just kept up with it. And slowly but surely, I just, you know, started uh, just getting better and better at, at it and loving it. And then in the year of 89, 
uh, what was the video that came out? Because I, I, I was going through the whole H Street phase and Shackle Me Not, Hocus Pocus, but yeah. then uh, the questionable video Plan came B. out. Plan B, questionable video. And that was like, besides video days, that was like a big life changer for me as far as like skateboarding, going to the next level. And, you know, I was, I always try to keep up. Like I always tried to like, not let anything get me down like not my size not anything not with skateboarding there's no way i can be stopped right and this and so that was the time that my mom and dad we and my brothers we moved to uh new jersey so i, I went to school, high school in new jersey and that's when i met tim o'connor and we became really really good friends uh I met him at the skate shop. I just, you know, it was like I was devastated moving to New Jersey from California, you know. Now you're going to deal with like the shitty winter. Uh-huh. And, you know, like my, my skateboarding is just going to end. But no, like there was skateboarding was pretty big back there. You had the shut days, you know, like. Yeah. And um, so I, 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 I had my mom's. I forgot the name of the skate shop. It was called Psycho Skates. I, I heard I, we, I looked up the nearest skate shop in my town where I lived in. Parsippany and uh, the nearest skate shop was in Morristown. It was called Psycho Skates. And so she took me there and just dropped me off, you know, and I asked the, the skateboard or the, the skate shop owner where the nearest skate spot is and whatnot. And they said to go to the train station. You know, there's usually people skating there. So I just went by myself, not knowing anything, not knowing anybody and just was skating these stairs. And sure enough, Tim and a bunch of his friends roll up and they're probably bugging out like, who the fuck is this like fucking dwarf like skating and doing i remember my trick was to do backside 360s you know i could i, I had those on lock and all impossibles and so we became friends and like the good thing is like i i had no idea like all the houses in the east coast are built with basements and i lucked out having this like huge like 12 or 14 foot ceiling basement and it was just paved beautifully and so in the winter you basically skate if you're not going to a skate park you you're not skateboarding right you know everything it's snowed out indoors and so i invited my friends over and i i was like i have we can skate in my house i have a quarter pipe there you know <laughs> we can skate in the basement and so they're like really so like five dudes my friend nick my friend tim vanderboss my friend tim o'connor they, they and dave corby they all came to my house and we used to have this girl that drove us around her name was erica you know, she was a skate rat. I think she was David, dating one of my buddies at the time. But she would drive us to all the skate spots. But anyways, they came to my house and these dudes were just like so amazed that like, holy shit, we have a spot for the winter now. Cool. And so we started building ramps there and we built ramps, ledges and stuff. And so that was right when Questionable Video came out. And through, so throughout that whole winter, when everybody wasn't skateboarding, we were fucking like we had a training facility skating oh, like eight hours a day like that's where right you got after your training school. skills yeah so that's where we got our tra- uh, uh, our tranny skills and and so by the time spring would come about we would go street skating and all the dudes that we skated with that had no idea about like my basement they would be like dude we like got worse and you guys just got a hundred percent hundred times better like what's up how's you know what what happened and we always kept kind of kept that a big secret because i don't want like 20 30 kids at my house you know and so yeah that's how like kind of we kept up with skating in the east coast and then and then we were introduced to new york city and we started going back and forth to new york city like during the the summer and I became friends with a lot of the dudes, you know, and the Supreme heads and just so did Tim. And, uh-huh. and then um, 
That was when Tim and my buddy Nick were like, dude, you should make a sponsor me video, you know, living in, I was like in a, a sophomore in high school and they're like, make a sponsor me video. Was uh, Tim sponsored already? Tim wasn't sponsored. We were sponsored by the skate shop, okay. you know? And I was like, I had no idea what a sponsor me video was. So we started, we had a friend and we started filming every day, filming stuff. And soon enough, the weirdest thing for me was the first time I ever saw my own self skateboard. Like, you know, on video, oh. because I always, you know, like I said, I never saw myself as a little person. I never saw myself as different. I just kind of, it was like so awkward for me to uh -huh. see myself skateboarding and like doing tricks and stuff. I almost like, it, it was really uncomfortable, huh. you know, but as I, we started piling on more and more footage, I kind of just got used to it and kind of just. You got to just accept it, you know? And so we had a friend edit it and I sent it off to like Greg Carroll. I sent it off to like a bunch of different companies. And one of the companies that, that responded to me was uh, World Industries. Mm. But it was like they were doing this like side team off of World Industries. Forgot what it was going to be called. But, you know, they, they started sending me boxes and stuff. And I was hyped and like... And then slowly it became to like, oh, we're only sponsoring you. We're going to build a whole handicap team or a cripple team or some shit like that. And I was just like, what the fuck, you know? But right during that time is when like the big uh, East Coast contest happened. And it was like the Bricktown contest, the Brooklyn Banks contest, like the playground contest. And me and Tim and all my friends, we went to all these contests. And um, I skated and um, not, not at, like I, I would just skate like during the practice runs and stuff. I wasn't, you know, and that's kind of how I started getting recognized. But then do you remember Ruben that ran Thrash or uh, uh, Thunder? Yeah, yeah. I sent a video to him. Oh. Now, he was one of the people I sent a video to. Ruben Orkin. Yeah, Ruben Orkin. And he they never got back to me. But he remembered my sponsor me video and he was at those contests and he's like, you sent a video like about six months ago to us, didn't you? Thunder. I'm like, yeah, I did. He's like, dude, we had no idea. You're fucking badass. Like, I want to sponsor you. Huh. And he fucking started sending me trucks. And that's when I met uh, Greg Carroll, too. Okay. And Greg sponsored me. And so I just kind of slowly. For uh, Venture? Or left, think? No, for Think. Okay. Skateboards. Because he was running Think with Keith Cochran back then. Yep. And so he sponsored me. And then now, so I have these sponsors. And so first sponsor was Thunder or? Uh, first sponsor was Thunder for sure. Uh -huh. And then, but at the same time, I like, you know, Greg gave me his card. He's like, hook me up because I sent a video to him too. Oh, okay. And But none of these people got back to me. I think they thought it was some kind of joke <laughs> or something. Yeah. They ended up hooking me up and I, you know, left world industries or whatever the company that they were going to have me skate for and uh started getting packages and flowed from them and soon enough i they they flew me out to san francisco and that's kind of where like my career just started kind of or my skateboard range just kind of started there uh -huh. and just kind of getting bigger and bigger and then you know i i made some mistakes like uh it's just so many things when you're young are thrown at you and you just don't know like what's right, what's wrong. And you don't want to like, like hurt anybody's feelings. But you know, sometimes you're not happy and you think this other person's going to make you happy from this sponsor just because your friends skate for it. But then it's just, it's not all what it seems. And I, I and uh, I was sponsored for a thing for a while now for like a few years. And 
then I ended up doing something stupid and then got kicked off. And then I wasn't skating for nobody for, for like about like, like four years. But the good thing on that was um, Tim O'Connor was one of my best friends and he was starting to blow up. And the Eastern Exposure video came out and oh, yeah. um, he had a huge part in there. I had a couple tricks in his part. And then um, I was living in Jersey at the time and he came out to uh, live with Dan Wolf. I was just skating with Love Park and all these spots with him all the time and just kind of kept up in the scene. And he would always hook me up with boards and stuff. Dan Wolf, the filmer, his filmer at the time, moved out to uh, Southern California. And Tim went and stayed with them, and that's when I went and stayed with them. And I would just film with him, film with them. Every time Tim was filming, I was filming. You know, yeah. Dan was super cool. And we were just hungry, dude. We were just hungry, like skating, like eight hours a day, every day, all the spots. You know, it didn't matter. Just We just wanted to skate. And I think word got out that, you know, I was, you know, hungry or whatever. And Greg gave me a call at Dan's house and... He's like, hey, listen, I know you don't got nothing right now, but I see your love and your passion, and we want to give you another chance. With that said, a week later, they flew me up to uh, Northern California, uh-huh. and we went on tour. And that's when I met Tim McKenney, and we did no. a fucking U.S. Oh, tour. sick. And we did a U.S. tour, and I met Tim and a bunch of Zach Martin. Yeah. Who else? Joe Price. There was Jake a bunch Nunn. of dudes on the on, on the tour. Dandre Hobel, too. By then, Phil Schall already died. Oh. had already passed um but i knew phil and matt pales and them from the first time i skated for think you right. know that's i remember going to visit uh going to san francisco and i stayed with matt pales for a while and i would stay with phil yeah and then skating with uh dave rosenberg all the time oh, so yeah Whiteley. it was yeah it was it, it was rad and so that's kind of like the whole beginning of my skateboarding but before that you actually you shot a photo with Spike Jones that was on the cover of Big Brother, right? Yes. yes that that was, was when you were back east? Yeah, that was when we were uh, back east. Um, what happened was, yeah, I totally skipped that. When I was skating for World Industries, um, which was the first sponsor I had, World Industries flew Spike Jones out to the east coast to New York City. And they set up this whole photo shoot with him for me to meet him and, and take him to my favorite spot there, and we'd get some photos. Dude, it was like thir- uh, it was like thirty degrees out. Damn. It was freezing. It was like about <laughs> to like be winter. You know, it was right. like ending fall, going into winter. It was freezing, but we had to get stuff done, and we knew some spots in New York already. Uh, we went to the Huff Ledge, then we went to these th- these marble stairs. I forgot what the spot was called, but um. Yeah, I frontside no slid the Huff Ledge before it was the Huff Ledge, and I got ended up getting the cover of fucking Big Brother magazine. Yeah, and that was when they did that whole like they did Wee Man's interview, and they also did my interview in it. But I got the cover, which was pretty rad. But it was it was like a memorable cover for me, just because it was freezing out. My friends were like Tim and. My other buddies were all bundled up, and I'm like in a t-shirt, front side no sliding this like yeah. fucking twenty foot ledge. Kind of at night, right? Yeah, it, no, it was during the day, but uh, it was it like kind of dark, dark, yeah. dark, like gloomy day, like about to rain. You Fuck. have to get it done. Freezing. And sure enough, like Spike Jones was like big back then, but like now it's like he's like you know making movies and shit yeah and so it was rad to be able to say that my first photo and my first 
was a cover and it was with Spike Jones. You, you, know? you never had anything published before that? No, never. Wow. No, that was the first thing. It was a cover of Damn. A Big Brother and magazine. Big Brother was just starting. That was like early, yeah. five, six or something. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that's another reason like also because right when I got sponsored by World, they wanted this to happen really quick. So it was within a few months that they're like, all right, we need you to go. How far are you from New York? You're going to meet this dude. And so I already had the cup. So when we did the playground contest and the Bricktown contest and all that stuff, yeah, I, I had the cover of the fucking. So that's what everyone was passing around at Whoa. the contest. And I was this like little Grom dude <laughs> that just wanted to skate. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, cover. Weird, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> and how did that change for you? Did, how were you being received? And then when you got the cover, did that change? Or was it always kind of the same? Um, I mean, it was always like an awkward, weird thing at first. I was being received in a like, a like a negative way or like if I felt like a weird vibe, I would just kind of ignore it. I was always one of those dudes. Like even with like my acting career now, like it could be better if I was different. But even with skateboarding, I was always one of the dudes that like, let the work speak for itself. Like, let my skating speak for itself. You can say all you want, but let's skate. And then afterwards, you know how it is. You, people accept you. They're right. like, all right, shit. You know, it's just yeah. like, that's how my mentality always was. And I think that's what helped me out with skateboarding. Yeah, because I remember seeing the big brother and being like, holy shit, this yeah. is sick. So getting to meet Tim McKenney, what was your first impression of him? Because he loves to do first impressions on, on the show. What's your first impression of Tim? Well, I didn't know what to think. I just, this guy was just like, he was just out of his mind, <laughs> like just so happy and so positive and everything was a fucking joke like everything was a joke like i was like is this dude ever serious and then he would go and skate and he would just be on another level like just skate anything that's put in front of him pools like mini ramps ledges like anything like rails i was attracted to that like he like we became friends and we used to smoke lots of weed back then so it was mm -hmm. like me and him on that tour were the only ones that smoked weed so i think as bad as that is to say i think that's what brought us closer together that was more bond yeah yeah it was like our bond because that's what we would do outside of skateboarding he was just such a rad guy and he was just so giving you know, and he and he loved food, and I love food, so we were just always, you know, yeah. have that bond. And I, we, so that's about the time where you and I met. Yeah, I believe so. Because you started living at Tim's, basically. I or staying I was, there. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like it's funny because uh, B Street. Yeah. And now for another first impressions with Timothy Donald McKenney. First impressions of Francisco Pasquale. There's actually two. There's one before I met him, really. It was at the Milpitas Skate Park, or we'll say the the Milpitas Slip and Fall Park. But uh, I do a backside 180 kickflip over the steep hip. And he goes, hey man, that's a steep hip. How do you do that? Years later, and I'm talking 20 years later, I see pretty much that same time era and he's doing it. So he's pretty much capping. Hey, I'm a midget. I can do it better than you, bro. Years later, here we are, pros together same team he's sleeping on my floor and here's technically my first impression of poncho is him staying at my house my parents house he goes hey tim you know i heard you last night and it was a midget telling me that in the morning i'm like holy shit this dude's a riot i love you poncho i love you like a brother i always will i listen to you and tim hod 
was a fucking riot. You you headbutting a bunch of penis on the soccer field. Hilarious. Hey, it's Matt D at DLX Skate Shop, 1831 Market at Guerrero, as in Tommy. Come see us. Real, Antihero, Crooked, Thunder, Venture, Spitfire. We're here every day of the week except the big holidays. We've got a curb and we've got smiles on our faces. Come let us get you stoked. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, uh, big dogs in. As I got older, um, like I, I feel like karma hit me because even when I first moved to LA, I had a two-bedroom apartment with this other dude. I'm not going to mention names, but then it was like everyone came and lived with us, and they were staying like it was like four people like living in our two-bedroom apartment, uh, and me and this other dude are paying rent. Right. And it was just like so shit. It was rad because you had friends there, but it's like. I'm working like a real job, going and working my ass off, coming home to you guys, sitting on my couch, playing fucking video games all day. Like, what the fuck did you guys do with your lives or do with your day, you know? And and I feel like even when I was living with Tim Tim McKinney, I did give him some money, like a month and stuff. But like, I felt like maybe he must have maybe felt the same, but at least we were both skating all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think like, during that time is when skateboarding slowly started to like just kind of Tim got interested in other stuff maybe or I don't know we were both skating a lot though and then I just wasn't seeing him that much no more and then I didn't live with him anymore Mm -hmm. the only time I would ever see him is like if we were like doing like a a think demo or something you know it was I I couldn't I you know because I I, I moved from his house straight to San Francisco and I was living there for a while and then what could you say about Greg C what was some of the best advice he ever gave you oh man Greg C man it it, it would never end with Greg C he was just such a positive dude he he would give you like the sweater off his back if you know if like he he always had your back for anything there's not many people that just like took me in and just like were like allowed me to do what i do and gave give you opportunities there's very few people in life that just believe in you and give you that opportunity to shine and like all i could say for greg is that that's one of the things he did for me like even when i first came out he gave me a place to stay you know he introduced me to mike carroll who was huge at the time and he just he was like an older brother man and he like he had my back yeah he he has everybody's back even till this day i mean it's so everyone goes their own ways nowadays and fuck i mean if greg if you're listening to this thank you so much man for just always being there for me and for us you know it was yep. fuck man i know that we were hard to deal with i mean Leather bunch of drug, drug addicts skateboarders like just out of their minds like yeah that's hard to deal with i remember one of the things schmitty is uh <laughs> when like my skateboard career ended and stuff and i met my my wife i remember i was like kind of transitioning of like what the hell do i do what do i want to do and she was like you should stick with skateboarding and you know try to do something in that field like maybe like you know you could be a team manager and i was like 
fuck that like the hell that we put like yeah. Greg through and gnar. every other manager we had i'm like these fucking skateboarders would just chew me up and spit me out <laughs> yeah. like fuck that no way oh man <laughs> Uh, I've told this story several times, uh, so people know my perspective, but now it's time if you can remember to tell your perspective. Mm -hmm. It was the first day Pat Duffy got on to think, and we met him in San Francisco. The China Banks. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember what you said to me, though? What did I say to you? I don't remember. <laughs> this one cracks me up so hard. You're like, Schmitty. Duffy just looked over at you at, at the corner of his eyes. He's like, great. I went from Trinansky <laughs> to Schmitty. <laughs> oh, and I was my like, God. yep. And he oh, said he went from Danny Way to Poncho. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what he was thinking, too. He's like, how did I go from Danny Way to this little fuck? And then he <laughs> backpailed fucking China Bank. Yes, and, we're like, and then what? he all did that. All, was that the same day he all no, no that was a different but day that came shortly after yeah Fuck. but yeah no he backside tells the china banks which was just impossible to skateboard but he figured out a way to do it like not many people do like there's very few like tim mckenney yeah phil shout dandrell hobel dennis Buznitz, and fucking pat duffy who yeah. else oh sean young oh uh, yeah Julian Stranger. Okay, that's like eight people I named. I don't think anybody <laughs> else could fucking skate. Or it's if they tough. did, I didn't. I never saw any footage yeah, of it. Yeah, there's anything. some new kids killing it too. But like, yeah, I remember Jerobel board slid over the bench. Yeah, first person to do something on the lip over yeah. the bench. Nobody did anything over the bench on the lip for like ten more years after that. Did someone do something? What else? Recently, some people have done. Somebody backtailed over the bench. Holy Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, but yeah, it's not an easy place to skate. What could? What was some one of the raddest times you had with Duffy? Because you guys were on uh, Pyro together, right? Oh yes, Pyro. Pyro. I remember actually. <laughs> I remember being on tour in Germany with Pat Duffy and Tim McKenney because we were the only dudes that agreed to skate for this fucking shitty shoe company <laughs> it was like skating with fucking cinder blocks on your feet but <laughs> and jens jens was a good kind-hearted team manager is all i would say about him but i remember like just being on this tour we had the day off that day and we're like oh let's just go get breakfast and and we and we ditched schnabel <laughs> And so we ditched him and we went to go get breakfast. And when we ended up meeting some people there and we're like, fuck it, let's just drink. We, we have nothing else to do. And we're like, yeah, but that it, it's not going to pay for our drinks. And none of us had any money. And we were just like, no, we'll just kind of figure it out. And we, we worked it out with like the um, the waiter that to charge our, we all got, we just kept getting screwdrivers. Yeah. And we just had the waiter put it down as orange juice. So when Jens came and got like the bill, he was like, <laughs> $200 in orange juice and we're just completely <laughs> fucked up all like all three of us and just laughing putting this dude through hell and then like another thing I remember is waking up in the morning and, and being like all right I don't know where Tim or fucking Duffy are but we have a demo today I'm gonna go and I'm gonna fucking kill this demo it's gonna be awesome mm -hmm. we're going to this rad spot and, the, and me and Jens and like are waiting for these two. We're like, where are they? Where are they? And finally they show up like right before we're about to leave to the demo. And Pat's like, they're, they're just fucked up. They, they were partying all night. And Pat like, he's like, gives me this pill. He's like, here, take it. I'm like, what is it? I'm like, 
He's like, no, just take it, just take it. You know, it's like vitamin vitamin C or something. I'm like, all right, whatever. I take it, and like fucking like an hour later, we get to this demo. It was fucking ecstasy. <laughs> and so we get to this demo. I'm like, whoa, this is feeling weird, you know? And then yeah. these two fuckers are on ecstasy too. And Jens is just like this. But I never had so much fun skateboarding. Like, it was, I, I had a blast. The demo was awesome. Uh-huh. All the kids were dope. Like, oh, we just sick. had a good time. And it was like, it, it, it was something that could have gone really, really bad. Yeah. But it didn't. But I remember having that experience with both of those dudes. It was it was such a fun time. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, we're in Germany, like pro skateboarders just loving life. Living it up. Living it up, yeah. With Jens. And then from living it up in Germany, moving in to a garage with Argentina's hungriest skateboarder, <laughs> the butcher. Oh, yeah, the butcher. No, that dude was... We were... We're family, man. I remember he first got on Think, and then we just, you know, whoever you're skating with, like, I remember, I remember there were just being people that would just come and stay at our house, stay at our house, but yeah, we lived, uh, Joey Terche was able to get us a spot where he used to live, mm-hmm. and it was like this fucking, it was like in a garage, it, it was like a the size of a tool shed or something, but we we made it work, and me and the butcher lived there, and we had bunk beds, and then... It was like a one room studio and then like in our kitchen was our shower as well. And uh it was hell, but it was only four hundred and twenty dollars a month. So yeah. that that was what was awesome. And still all we wanted to do was skateboard. It was like one block away from Matate. Yeah, yeah. And then we'd always go to that nineteen eighty four club. Oh, Cat's Club. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. That was a blast. What but... was like the most hectic thing that you saw at Cat's Club? There was so many crazy nights, like girls really throwing glasses. It was just that's what happened, Schmitty was like as I got a little older, my skateboarding slowly started slowing down not because i was getting older but because i just wanted the party uh-huh. and that's kind of like what like I, I wish there was someone there to tell me and not tell me but like it, it, it's all up to you like you know it, yeah. it, when you you're in that mind state and you're hanging out with all the dudes you know like it just partying took a toll on me, and so that's what slowly started happening. And uh, it, it it took a while to find skateboarding again. And then as I started to find it again, it was just kind of starting. It was over, you know. How did the fakey tray become such a big deal for our crew? Oh my God! Okay, so the fakey <laughs> tray became a big deal because I never learned three sixty flips. And I had it in my head that I couldn't do them because I was a little person, because I was a dwarf. My legs weren't long enough, and I didn't jump high enough for it to spin around like through my legs and stuff. And then I remember one time just doing fakey 360 shove-its, and then it, it flipped all the way, and I landed it with one foot. I'm like, holy shit, that was a fakey 360 flip. And then I, I tried it a few more times. And I landed it. And I'm like, oh my god! Like for like the past 15 years, I've convinced myself I can't do a 360 flip, and I just did a fucking fakey 360 flip third try after ever ever trying it. Yeah. And so that's what how it became so big for me because I was it was something that like I told myself I convinced myself that I could never do, and then I and all I had to do was try it. 
And then slowly then, like, I started learning 360 flips. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Like, how did, like, why did it take so long? And and I think it was such a big deal for me uh-huh. because it felt so good. Right. That I'm like, God, it took, it took me, like, 15 years to get this feeling that I could have felt a long time ago, you know? Wow. And that's, and then, yeah, the fakey tray flip was just like, I think like I always wanted to film it in lines. And then like whenever like you weren't filming, I would do it. <laughs> and then you would start filming <laughs> and it just, the pressure was on. It just wouldn't happen. Dude. And then Diego it, it would just, call me and be like, dude, the session today was so sick. Punchy, fakey tray. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just, uh. So that's kind of how it became so big. Yeah, we used to always say, Faggy Trey! (laughs) Fuck. Just because, going back a minute, when you left Think for a hiatus and came back, you basically were trying to get on an. I was trying to get on this skateboard company. I forgot what it was even called. I think it was called Clean or something. Uh And these two Russian twins were on it. And then uh, uh, Carl Watson was on it. And I was like skating... And Barcadero a lot and became friends with them. And all that stuff is so clicky down there. And, you know, I, I had no idea. I was just young and yeah. I wanted to be on the teams that my friends were on. And so I slowly, you know, started like, you know, trying to get on them behind Greg's back or behind. And it was just something like. I'm but like, they catch you riding when they're bored? Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's what happened. Probably. And uh, and. Greg was like, is this what you want? Because this is what you want, you know, uh-huh. all good. We just, you know, can't flow you. And it, it ended on good terms. Okay. But it was also very childish yeah. on, on my behalf to, like, go from Think, this, this skateboard team that, or <laughs> the skateboard company that lasted freaking for decades and decades to go to this, like, little shitty company that lasted for a year, you know? Like, what was I thinking I wasn't. I was just clueless. Yeah, but it's the same thing when you get caught up with your crew. Like it's very persuasive at a young age that you're yeah. like, "Oh, these are the cool guys," or "These are my yeah. guys. I want to skate with them." Whatever. Yeah. Remember that guy, Dog? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I. Yeah, I, I do remember. Oh, Dog. <laughs> I forget his name. He but got like on thing. He was, he was on thing for like maybe like. A, 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 like a day or, or he wore two. tank tops and he was like tech he was trying to like switch trade down like the gnarliest shit yeah and like never. and he wouldn't even do anything else yeah and then i remember him like going to like a couple skateboard demos with us and there was like all tranny yeah and he couldn't even skate anything he could barely drop in it was like watching someone like learn how to skateboard again and right Greg was just like nope <laughs> no way fuck after that can we get a little into the adult film industry? Yeah, yeah, of course. That was kind of the transitional piece, right? That was, you know, the skateboard world brought you in. You know, you go to these skateboard conventions. There was the one in Long Beach, and then there was oh, also yeah. the ASR. one in San Diego. I remember being at the one in San Diego, and, you know, it's it's just one big party. You got all the Black Flies people there. You have all mm-hmm. their models there. You have, like, it's like a whole, it's not just skateboarding. Yeah, it's the like, Reef Girls. Yeah, it's like a whole different world there that, you know. And I remember just being at that event. I think it was the Long Beach one. And having these dude, this dude walk up to me. And he had his, like, Black Flies on. And he had, like, his, like, hair that looks like it's messed up. But it's, that's just the way it is, you know. It's, 
and he walked up to me. He's like, hey, man, like, I know who you are, and uh, I think uh, we could make some good money together. I, uh, you know, I'm up, I, I uh, direct pornos, and, you know, I think you would be really good at one. You have a physique, like, you know, like, and I think the girls would love you. It looks like the girls are loving you now. Uh-huh. And, uh, I'll, you know, and you would pay, get paid good money, and I was just, like, naive and stupid and just, you know, at that time, like sex was fun it always is but i i took his card and like i kind of like looked him up a little bit and hit him up like three weeks later i was going back to la and i was like hey like let's let's see what we can do and he's like i was like how much does it pay and he's like a thousand dollars i was like and for us like skating for this the skateboard companies i skated for i wasn't making right a thousand dollars i mean i would make a thousand dollars in a month yeah you know not in one day yeah you know that's like holy shit a thousand i i think it was just money just kind of took over right and i didn't think about the consequences or what could happen i didn't even really think about that at all and i came to la and it was one of the scariest i always played it off like it wasn't but it was like such a dark world, dude. Was the first time like anxiety? Like what was it? Fuck, dude. It was, I mean, the girls were super hot. And did you have to get kind of fucked up to get yourself? No, I didn't. Oh. I didn't. It was like, it, 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 it was like a regular job. It like, okay, uh, your call time is at eight in the morning. And then we're going to take you to the skate spot, this ditch that everyone skates. And then you're going to be fucking by nine, you know, and then you'll be done by like 945 or nine <laughs> or 10 o'clock. It was like it was just planned out because these dudes are businessmen. They have other scenes to shoot throughout the day to, right. you know, make their money and make it happen. So I went and did it. I got dropped off and we went to skating and that was all fine and dandy like at this ditch. And then when the when we went to shoot this thing, it was just such a weird like I I didn't know. It was just so dark and I was like so scared. I felt like a little boy. And I, I was like, is what I'm doing okay? Is this okay? You know what I'm doing? And then the girl came in. I think they kind of like told her. They're like, all right, it's this dude's first time. Uh-huh. You know, you got to like really work with him. So she let, you know, was just, she was like the girlfriend I never had. And Show him the ropes. Yeah, yeah, showed me the ropes. And one thing led to another. And then we, we shot something. And then it was done. And I went about my day. It took like an hour. A couple months later, this thing comes out, and I'm just like, what the fuck did I do? What did I do? And then I didn't realize that it would, like, get big in, like, the skateboard world. I didn't really, because it was just something that, like, took an hour. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, how could this be so big? That's what she said. (laughs) I didn't think about it. And then with all the drugs and, like, the fucking drinking and, like, just the parting I was doing, I just wasn't that I even didn't even think about it. I just didn't even care anymore. I was like, fuck it. Who cares? Whatever. And then like I stayed in touch with these dudes. And so, yeah, you know, it, it's a part of my life that I don't regret. I, I, if anything, I learned from it. I was very young, naive, mm-hmm. and I did it. All I can say is, fuck, man. It's a dark world. Yeah. It's a crazy one. And how did the name Little Romeo come up? Um, They gave it to me, actually. Like that first gig? Yeah, that first gig. We were like, we got to think of a name for you. And you're kind of, you know, like a little Casanova guy. Oh, Little Romeo, you know. And that's kind of how that came up. And it just kind of went from there. It was funny. I went to a party with my wife like about six months ago. And it was like my friend who's a skater at, was 
it was his housewarming party. He had some skater friends there. And uh, we go there, and one of his friends was like, <gasps> Little Romeo! <laughs> you know, and I'm there with my wife, and I got married. I had to spill all the beans, so there's no surprises with us. Yeah. And she's so awesome in a sense. She's like, hey, what you did before we met, I have no control of that, you uh -huh. know? And, uh, you know, if anything, like I said, you learn from it, but I can't, like hate you for what you did before you met me or any of that whereas i've had girlfriends that that's like deal breaker you right know? did that world cross in at all to the acting world no like, none of all. those connections helped you no i after 2002 which was the last one i ever did i only did four of them i feel like i got some like rap like i was just like fucking porn star or something and I was like nowhere near that like porn stars are dudes that make a living off of it that uh -huh. are like that's their bread and butter that's what they do every day that's their fucking job i didn't have that like you know it was just not like that for me and i just want to kind of throw it out there that that i was never a fucking porn star right. i fucking dabbled in it a couple times and that's fucking it you know i i'm scared of it <laughs> Yeah, no, it never crossed paths. Like, what happened was when I first moved to L.A., I got a huge reality check. I had to get, like, my first job I ever had, you know. I was working at a restaurant called The Saddle Ranch. It's on Sunset. It's a steakhouse, but it's also, like, a place where lots of industry people go for lunch, you know, like, in the acting world. So, and the, the, producers? Yeah, producers, managers, agents, just directors, whatnot. And I, I was a host, and at the time and it was right after my skateboard career died and this manager guy just came up to me like he ate and did his thing but at the end of the night he's like hey listen i'm a talent manager i don't know if you're into acting or not but uh i could see us making a lot of money together you got a good look i mean you're different you're unique i think you know fuck man give me a call and i was kind of confused because i wasn't in acting at all or into like just wasn't a career i saw myself in yet and uh like when you're like on a downer like that like when you were on such a high and now you're like on this downer of like trying to figure out like what you're gonna do with your life like it's kind of hard to believe in yourself and uh i didn't really believe in myself and i was going through a breakup at the time and it was just really shitty and so i got his car and i i you know i was like fuck what the hell i called him like about like five days later and he sent me on a couple jobs and finally like after the third time he sent me on something like we met up first told me what he was going to do for me what it was going to be about what we we're trying in theatrical in commercial work you know start start small yeah start with co-star roles and but he's like there's this audition for this john mellencamp music video it's specifically for a little person that's your age you know your look i'm going to send you on that let's see what happens and that I was ended the up, guy that came into the restaurant yeah yeah and i got sent on that and i just booked it it was no callback they just i just booked it i made and i went and shot and like in it, it was like they shot in lamore or, or hanford actually they shot in hanford the, oh, in really? the town of hanford for like five days we went and shot this music video with john mellencamp is and, it on a green screen no, 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 it's not. You're on really on a bike? Yeah. yeah, I was really on a bike. I love that you know, video. It was like a tribe. Yeah, and it was a pretty awesome experience because I hadn't felt a high like that since skateboarding. And the high wasn't from shooting it, but the high was from the visualization of watching it afterwards and seeing how it affected people. 
Right. Because it was just, it's a music video. I mean, you have, we didn't have no dialogue, but the people that I was working with, like they were real actors, real, that the, the girl that was in the wheelchair was like really an actress. Uh -huh. And so she wanted to have real conversations and be really speaking and not to just make it look like that for the camera, but really get into these characters that I had like no idea about this like world. And so I just went along with it. I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. Wow. And then I, I just remember like, I'm no good at this. I'm no good at this, but it was fun. It was a cool experience. And then whatever they did with the editing, man, it was just such a beautiful music video. And then like the paycheck was like, I got a $5,000 paycheck for working for four days. Wow. You know, I didn't get that from skateboarding for months. You yeah. know what I mean? So that was like, that was big money for me. Mm. I think for anybody, but also I was like, and then when I saw the music video and just saw how it affected like my, some of my friends and just women in general, my mom and just how it affected me, like how it made me look like I fell in love with it. And I'm like, this, this is what I'm going to do. See. This is what I'm going to do. And, uh, I started taking all kinds of acting classes. I spent so much money on these acting classes because coming from a skateboard, like the hardest part for me with acting was coming from this macho skateboard world where if you don't try something, you're a fucking pussy. Yeah. Or you're a fucking faggot, you know? Like, that's just the way we talked. We don't really mean anything by it, but it's just, that's the way we were. So it was really hard for me to find triggers that allow me to be super vulnerable and be emotionally there. And so I took a lot of acting classes and some of them worked, some of them didn't. And then slowly that became my addiction was being able to put up work and put up scenes and then slowly I started going to school for it and then then I got into the the actor studio the world renowned actor studio I auditioned for it and then became a finalist and then within the finalists you have to take all these tests to become a lifetime member and it took me five years wow. but it's like taking classes every day there the beautiful thing about the actor studio it's method acting, but it's also, you can't pay money to get in. You have to audition and you have to oh. be good. And so that was already great. And and then from there, after you become a working finalist, you take get free classes for the rest of your life. Oh, sick. And so, but then with that said, you have to take finals and there's only one final a year. And within that final, it'll, it'll, it'll either move you up to a lifetime member, which is huge, or you'll just stay a working finalist. So for like six years, I stayed a working finalist. And then finally, about a year and a half ago, I passed my, my final and I became a lifetime member wow. of the actor's Congrats. studio. But it was just something that, you know, it was just like skateboarding. I couldn't, I wasn't one of those skateboarders that could just pick up a board and be good. I had to skateboard every day, every fucking day, eight hours a day to kind of even get to the level I was at one point. And it was, so that's just practice, practice, practice. Sure. And I kind of just thought of acting this way. I'm like, I have to, it's just like skateboarding. You just got to keep doing it, repetition. keep doing it. Repetition, repetition. And I think that passion like opened up my eyes and it allowed me to have breakthroughs yeah. in acting. And then, you know, it just kind of, kind of leapt from there. It's still such an unstable business for me. Yeah. But I love it, and I don't really see myself doing anything else right now. Did you do something upright, Citizens Brigade? Yeah, I did UCB. 
and that's uh upright citizens brigades which is um improvisation it's like yeah. uh saturday night live stuff yeah and there's different levels of that i got to the second level but i just couldn't afford it it's oh. expensive okay. it's really like these are classes that take a lot of money uh-huh. and they're well worth it but i just didn't have it at the time it keeps you able to keep moving without stopping the scene just because there's you're, no dialogue you're just yeah. reacting yeah you're exactly yeah that's pretty yeah. that's not easy no it's not yeah, and you, people <laughs> I, can get in their head over it but you gotta I've just know the sense. rules yeah then what how did you meet up with rob zombie oh shit yeah well um punch has got a new flick out three from hell yeah three it's from hell new, and, right? and then it's i also got game. candy corn which is another horror film but um i met with rob zombie i went out on an audition it was the audition was for beethoven 666 that's what the movie was called that's that, well that's what the credits said beethoven 66 there was no director on it you know and the dialogue was just like the subtext was that you're a killer clown here's some dialogue let's see what you do with that i yeah. go into the room you know and i had read for this lady before and I booked something with her before the casting director. It's a very small world. But the first thing she told me was like, hey, I was like, hey, Nicole, what's up? How's it going? She's like, oh, good to see you. She's like, whatever you do, don't fucking scream the whole time and run around. So I'm like thinking, okay, that's what everybody else did. I wasn't going to do that anyway. Yeah. But all right. Thank you, Nicole. And so I just, you know, brought this character to life, this fucking clown in the best way I knew how and. I ended up booking it, and that's when my manager called me at the time was and was like, hey, so you booked the movie. It's a Rob Zombie movie, and I was just such a fucking huge fan already. It starts shooting next week. He wants to meet you right away. So, yeah, the fitting, the lighting test, and all that. So I was just so excited, you know. This is, like, the biggest thing yeah. ever, and it's Rob Zombie, you know. He makes some of my favorite films. And so I went to meet him, you know, and he was just like, all right, yeah, you know, we met. It was cool. He's like, this is kind of like the idea I have for you is I want you to be a Nazi Hitler clown. I'm like, I'm like, you want me to what? And uh, so that was the the first character from 30. It was the, the first Rob Zombie movie I did was 31. And so that's where I played a Nazi Hitler clown. But also he's like in your dialogue or in your resume, it says that you can speak Spanish. I'm like, yeah, it's my first language. He's like, I want you to speak Spanish now with this character. So I'm like, what the fuck? Like, all right. So I start doing all my dialogue in Spanish. But at the same time, it's like a lighting test. You have all the producers there. The lighting test, because since we're wearing makeup, they want to see how the the, the light looks against your makeup. Oh. We're also using Heath Ledger's makeup that he used in the uh, as a Joker, so, mm-hmm. which is a, this fucking like makeup that when you get hit, it flakes off and you can see like d- dust particles in the light. So they wanted to test that and they wanted just to test out like like the dialogue, the character and all that. So I'm trying to like sit there and like fucking translate the, the words that Rob wrote uh, in my head, like into Spanish and make them sound crazy. Uh-huh. And sometimes it just doesn't work. Like the words just don't translate right. It right. just, it softens it, you know, or it makes it just worse. But then I think about it and I'm looking at all these fucking people, like, dude, like literally like 50 people, producers and all the other actors, because everyone's doing the lighting tests. And I'm just like, no one here knows Spanish. Right. I'm like, I could say whatever I want. 
and no one's going to know anything. Like Diego would love this. Yeah. And so I just start saying the worst shit, like fucked up shit in Spanish. And then Rob's like, all right, cut. And he walks up to me. He's like, oh, oh. He's like, dude. He's like, that was fucking brilliant, dude. He's like, <laughs> We're, all your dialogue is changing into Spanish now. That was the sickest fucking shit I ever seen. Well, you know? And I was like, but you're going to subtitle it, right? He's like, no. He's like, something about someone that wants to kill you. And you don't know what the fuck they're saying. It's just creepy. So awesome. So that's how I started working with Rob, you know, and I was the only one that had to audition for this movie Whoa. because everybody else, he recycles his actors and he uses them again if he likes them. So I was the only one that auditioned for this movie. So that's how I met Rob. Now we fast forward to like about three years later, about a year and a half ago, I get an email from Rob and he's like, hey, dude, it's movie time again. I'm not sure if you're familiar with my movie, The Devil's Rejects, but I just wrote a follow-up to it, and I wrote a par part for you. It's completely opposite of your other, uh, your other character. Are you down? And I'm like, dude, Rob Zombie just wrote me into the sequel of The Devil's Rejects. I'm like, fuck yeah. yeah. I'm down. So we shot that. like It was awesome experience, and then um, it, it comes out on, um, on a Monday or Tuesday. It'll be out on Blu-ray. They have one more limited theater release on, on this Monday, oh, October 14th. But then it comes out on Blu-ray on Amazon Prime and iTunes on um, October 15th. It's called Three from Hell. And then I did another movie with this guy named Josh Hasty, who's a director, writer. And uh, I met him in shooting the behind-the-scenes footage of 31. He shot like the, the documentary of the making of 31 called In Hell, Everybody Loves Popcorn. And we just stayed good friends. He wrote a movie, and we ended up getting financing for it. It's called Candy Corn. It took two and a half years to film. Whoa. He's like a jack of all trades. He scored it. He sound mixed it. He color corrected it. Sure. He edited the whole thing, and it just and it came out literally the day after Three from Hell came out. So okay. I had like two movies come out back to back, and it was like, fuck, dude, this is awesome, you know. And so I'm I'm kind of riding that wave right now, and just. It feels really good, and, and I'm so grateful and happy. That's but amazing. you know what? I fucking work hard, dude. Oh yeah, I work hard, and you know, it, it, it's so great to just see your work pay off. You know, because acting is different as far as skateboarding. Acting is it's a waiting game. You film it, and it could either be edited and come out within a year, or it could take three years. It's uh -huh. just a waiting game. Like you know, wow. you have this shit, this golden nugget. That's either comes out right away or it just doesn't come out for three years, you know? Do and, they pay you right away or not? Yeah, you get paid right away. The okay. way it works is you get paid right away. You get your daily rate or you get like a buyout if it's non-union. Uh -huh. But also um, then when it comes out, you get residuals. Really you start getting residuals from like the Blu-ray sales, from the Amazon Prime, all that stuff, which slowly starts to pay off. Yeah. But it's just, it's a huge waiting game. You got to be so patient for it. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, it, it's all worth it because you love what you what you do, you know. And yeah. if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Dude. Yeah, that's what skateboarding yeah, is too. That's what skateboarding was for me. I told people, people are like, I'm like, dude, skateboarding was something, the best way I can describe it was something that brought so much joy to my life and it made me so happy and it just bought, like, it just, the progression, it was just something I was going to do whether I was getting paid for it or not. Yeah, it like, just happened that 
I got to be paid for it. That's what we always say. Yeah. Did you get any negative feedback and shit from the Swaz Hitler clown? Um, the Swaz, I, I did. There was some negative feedback and I remember people saying like, I didn't realize you were racist and all this stuff. And I'm like, listen, dude, it's a character as an actor. If you get to uh, the opportunity to impersonate like one of the mass killers of all time, like that's like a huge opportunity to do it in your own way with Rob Zombie's twist. Like fucking why not? It doesn't mean I'm right. It's a character. That's it. Mm. That's all. And then the way the Spanish worked for me, because with all the characters you you do, you know, you got to believe, believe it if because if you don't believe what you're saying, as you're bringing these characters to life, then nobody else is gonna. So the Spanish was kind of weird for me. But then I also thought about like, you know, after the war, like a lot of the Nazis that didn't die in Germany, migrated to places like Spain, Chile, Argentina. And I'm just like, Oh, my God, like, that's when the table started turning of like, shit, Dr. Joseph Mangella, the angel of death, he never died. And he ended up in Argentina or Chile. And, you know, he found a little dude and he fucking like bred him. He like brought him up as being this hateful, fucked up dude that doing all this like fucking experiments with him, electric shock therapy, all this shit to just make him a hateful bastard. Now you have fucking Sickhead. Now Sickhead's alive and that's why he speaks Spanish. You know, so all these little that's things that you do. Kid? Yeah, his name is, and he's fucked up. I if you ever get to see it, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, you'll watch it and be like, "Holy shit, okay. Pancho is fucking crazy." Mierda. But it was like the first thing of my. Um, what's crazy, Schmitty too, is like after doing this Rob Zombie film, I had no idea it existed. But you know how there's uh, comic cons and stuff like that. Yeah. But there's this whole horror convention world. Oh yeah. And it's insane, man. It's yeah. crazy. Like these people, like these loyal fans that just love horror and you know like like all of us they're outcasts in the real world but then they come to this place and they can be themselves and right and it's rat you know and super fans yeah so super fans and it kind of introduced me to that and you know so i i embrace it it's 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 rad nice uh that kind of reminded me of something it's Remember you shot a photo and it was in slap and you were wearing Du Bois shirt? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it said racist yes, over Yes, yes, yes. And then it came out. And then, like, can do you want to tell that story? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so that was when we did a bank or a Canada tour. It was like Canada in the 90s, tour. right? We or- did a Canada tour and our photographer that was traveling with us was Brian Gaberman. Super cool dude awesome photographer and um you know every every tour you do there's uh for you have your skateboard filmer your team filmer and then you also got like the photographer from whatever magazine is going to cover the story right or the tour the story <laughs> but uh brian gaberman was our photographer and i remember i remember do you remember going to thrasher i mean i'm sure you still do yeah we just fucking go in there and whoever <laughs> was working the warehouse right we would just raid that warehouse, dude. McKetty still yeah, begged oh, for really? the raid. <laughs> Come on, let me he go Ron Allen on that warehouse. But I, yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, before you start tour, you go and raid the warehouse, the Think Warehouse, raid the raid the Venture Warehouse, raid the Thrasher Warehouse because yeah. they're all so close together. And I like this shirt, you know. And I just remember uh, Brian Gaberman, you know, he's Jewish, and 
he wrote racist on it and i didn't really think anything of it because i'm not racist i didn't really i didn't know jason jesse at all to be honest i never met him and um i was just you know brian gaberman's our photographer he's my friend and whatever you know and i remember uh he wrote it and then like sure enough i get a fucking photo the front side flip <laughs> <laughs> front side flip, front side flip. <laughs> uh, and uh it comes out and fuck dude and i don't even know like why like because brian's the one that edited i think yeah you know, he edited his article i don't know why he chose that photo makes more sense i didn't know he wrote it yeah yeah well he he's the, the photographer of it and he um i don't know why he chose that photo that we thought we did a lot of photos but i remember getting a uh, schlack for it like a cut like a i don't know how long it took but i i think he Jason Jesse confronted me or he confronted Brian or I don't know what happened. They squashed it all and they settled it all and everyone's friends. Uh -huh. then, yeah, and then that came out and I think uh, I got a phone call from either, I think Jason Jesse called me up and asked me what was the deal with that and then I explained to him what happened and then he they, they talked and I think they settled it and I think Brian was really, really bummed he did that. Okay. And because he really got to know Jason Jesse, I don't know why he would say that because first time in talking to Jason Jesse when he gave me that phone, he seemed like a fucking pretty cool dude. He yeah. seemed racist to me, you know. It wasn't even something I went along with. It was just something that happened and I just didn't really care. Okay. I talked to he said that you came to Consolidated one day and he and and he brought you upstairs and he was like could you sign the wall <laughs> or something like that I, yeah it might have been something like that like i know that i got a phone call from him as well mm. but yeah i i mean it might have it could have been something like that too and i was just kind of put on the spot right but it was something like i said i didn't like really think of it being anything bad at the time i just didn't think nothing of it to be honest i didn't know it was gonna hurt someone's feelings or any of that it, i was fucking clueless to that i know we all were but uh Shit, um, I've taken a lot of your time. What is going on now? What, what, what? You got a nine to five job, or are you just only acting, or what? No, no, I don't. I don't only act. I, I work for Monster, Monster Energy, oh. like doing brand ambassador stuff. I don't work for them as much right now. And then I, um, you go to the events and stuff. Yeah, I do the events and stuff like that. And then I also work for my friend's company this cookware company that we do road shows like in Costco's, we do these 10 day road shows uh -huh. where we're demonstrating this cookware, cooking on it and showing what it does, like that it's, you know, there's no chemicals in it. You can use metal in it, whatnot. But I work for him like a couple days of the road show too. And he does like two road shows a month and they're all here, Southern California. And so it's easy work. I'm good at it. It's chill. And then it allows me to still focus like 100% on my acting Career. So right now what I have is I have these two, three movies coming out. One of them is a Christmas movie that comes out in a couple, I think next week, but it, that will only be like during the season mm -hmm. and then it'll go out on DVD. It's called Santa Fake. I got to work with the fucking Lawnmower Man and Judd Nelson oh, from, um, from The Breakfast Club. No way. You know, so, yeah. uh, so Jeff Fahey and Judd Nelson in this movie, it's like a comedy fucking Christmas musical movie i don't sing in it because there's i don't i'm not a singer but other people do but we just have some pretty cool like you know 
fun scenes in there and then i got the candy corn movie coming out and then the three from hell coming out so at this point like i have other stuff in the works that are kind of sitting on the shelves like we were talking about yeah like the waiting game so i'm just kind of chilling and waiting for uh these movies to be out breathe a little bit see what happens because sometimes that's what happens that that's what catapults you to the next level is you know people seeing your work and going okay this guy can play all kinds of different characters. Uh, just a matter of fact, I, I have a writer that I can write him into this or they already have something, an idea, you know. So that's one one of the things that's cool about acting. But also it, it's it's really weird sometimes too because I feel, especially with the, the industry, that they don't see me as a human being still. Hmm. You know, they see me as this kind of like mystical creature, like an elf or a Hmm. leprechaun or a fucking troll. These things that don't even exist, you know, where you kind of I'm trying to break through that. And slowly I am and working with the right people. But it's still like it's like I'm not like your everyday man still. And it's okay though. It's okay. Has Game of Thrones helped with that? Like it's helped Peter, him. Peter Dinklage. It's helped Peter Dinklage. Just a, him. A whole, oh yeah. It's helped just but him. It hasn't rubbed off onto No, it hasn't. It hasn't. And that's fine, you know, everyone is uh their own person. I you know what was crazy when I first moved down here was just being called fucking Wee Man all the time. Uh, this is like his territory, uh-huh. his territory down here. And this is where he's lived his whole life. And just like every fucking time, whenever I worked Monster, whenever it was just, you know, we had some beef back in the day. Uh-huh. We didn't even necessarily know each other, Schmitty, but it was like, I think like the skateboard industry wanted that to happen. It was like one of those things where like every interview I got was like, so who's a better skater, you or we men? It was like they never asked me anything else, but like they always wanted to compare us to. And then they were always like, who do you think would win in a fight, you or him? They were always like, it was just always like this like conflict that they wanted us, these two dudes to have. And all we wanted to do was skateboard. And it kind of sucked, you know? And so when... There was a little beef between us. And when I first moved down here, like after living down here for a few years, the first thing I did was I looked him up and I got his number and I called him and I invited him to lunch. And, you know, we squashed everything. We laughed about everything. Uh, you know? How cool. And so we're friends now. But it was just such a weird skateboarding. Like it was just such a weird thing the way they tried to like put you against each other. Yeah. At least in my experience. Yeah, that's and, unfortunate. Yeah, but it's 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 all good, you know. Uh huh. Because I think if anything, now it's made us friends, you know. Dinklage has got to like uh, produce a movie and make something like I don't know. That would it would help be out awesome. the community or something. Yeah, something you know. I think uh, I think everybody kind of like at least the little people I know down here, which is a fucking lot of them now. Yeah. Like I never met one little person but Wee Man in my entire life. Wow. Then I moved down here and I'm auditioning with like fucking four of these fuckers. Oh, really? Yeah. And they're all different sizes. Like, and I'm like one of the tallest ones. Can you believe that I didn't book the role one time because they said I was too tall for it? (laughs) Oh my God. Are you fucking kidding me? Wow, dude. (laughs) Dude, I'm serious. Oh man. Like, so that, like, I I laughed so hard about that. It was Uh. like, what the fuck? fuck like my 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 skateboard buddies would be laughing at this shit yeah but um i i feel like everyone's got to create their own path and i think i'm doing the same thing for some people it it's shorter 
like their journey, but for me, it's a little longer and yeah, you know, just I'm just do learning. You. Do me, yeah. Yeah, that's what I always do is I just try to get better. I, I try not to compare myself to anyone but myself. Yeah. Like if I keep getting better, that's all I can do. Give yeah. it your best, right? Yeah, that's it. Hey, this crazy guy is on the phone right now. He just gave us a call for the last question of the day. Uh-oh, who is it? Poncho. I got a question for you because I knew when you made it, and you'd already made it for a while, but when we were in Germany and Jeff Rowley looks at you and goes, hey, Poncho, and we're on top of the, the the ramps, the street course at the contest. That's when I knew you'd made it when Rowley comes up and you're just one of the guys. You guys must have already went on your Volcom tour. <laughs> they called you uh, Wee Man, the whole article. I was probably more pissed off about that than you were. You got a Volcom article, and they don't even respect you, and they call you Wee Man. He's still the same. Guess what? It was probably Transworld, and they did it to me, too. A cover with somebody else's name. So I get it. Anyways, my question is, when did you know that you had made it? When you were like, yes, this is it. Poncho did it. Because there's always a day where you know. I think mine was when the dude threw the Transworld cover down to me. Tell you the truth, even though it was the wrong name, I didn't care it was me on the cover. That's when I knew I made it, sitting next to Ellington at the skate shop, and the Asian guy threw it to me. When was the day you knew that Poncho was big time? Thank you. Oh, man. <laughs> it, was, it was so good to hear that dude's voice. Uh, I loved him. Oh, my God. See, that's what I went on tour with. That was, that, that was him. Like That's why I was so attracted to him. You know, It was just so, like... Oh man, you just wanted to be around him. Mm. It was so awesome. Um, to answer your question, Tim McKinney, the time I knew I met made it was, I think, going on my first Think Tour. You know, and just being with all the guys, and we were just all a family, and we were just, I it was just so surreal to be able to like, like just travel the world or travel the u.s even and you're sk getting to skate all these different places and these kids want your autograph and you're just wanting to skate and every and it it, it, it was just such a awesome feeling i think the first time i ever went on a think tour was the first time i ever knew i made it Sick. you know that's when i realized like okay this is where i want to be Fuck this yeah. is like when you realize where you want to be like and this is home for me and uh, i love these people like that's when I, I i i knew i made it what was your first pro graphic i think it was something super stupid my first pro graphic I was, was like I, I think it was like a kid playing a video game or something and then but my favorite pro graphic was like like the lord of the rings ones or the poncho mon one Oh, Those yeah. Are like, my, like Pokemon. Yeah, the Pokemon Pachamon. Pachamon. Yeah, and then they had that the was, Smurf one yeah, yeah. with like Duffy, all yeah. the riders. <laughs> Holy shit. Those but uh, yeah, those but when were my got... favorite. I didn't really like kind of like, I think they they started coming up with better ideas for my graphics as I, you know, started to, as they started kind of figuring me out. And then because I think when I first turned pro for Think was when they were going through the era of like, everyone had the same kind of series series yeah. yeah and then it was like you know wah. were you on the team when they had the one where it was just like you on everyone had their photo on the bottom oh it was the and worst Jehovah was doing a bail <laughs> <laughs> mine was i forgot what it was probably like a nolly hillfold but it was, it was like a nolly. green board yeah that it was is right. awful 
Fuck. <laughs> the Jehovah's Bailey. <laughs> Jehovah's oh, Bailey. Do you ever see him? Yeah, I'm going to see him right now, actually. Where? San uh, Diego? Escondido, yeah. Wait, does he live down there? Yeah. He's got like a big bowl in his backyard. and. Oh, my God. Yeah. He said to Is that say who hello, you're going to stay actually. with? Are you yeah. Saying? Well, I'm staying in Ramona for the first two nights for the contest, and then I'll stay with Dan on the way out. Tell him I said hello and I love him, man. And talk, you got to give me McKenny's number. I want to talk. Oh, to him. absolutely! I thought he was gonna ask something really shitty. No, he had. He was like, so when did you first learn the Nolly Hill? <laughs> he said, I couldn't remember the question. Maybe you'll remember this. He said something about you and Shoemaker sleeping together, and not together, but you guys were in the same room. Oh yeah, something. no, that's when me and Butch lived together. A shoemaker moved in after Butch. Oh, okay. So but, uh, he moved in the the top bunk where B- Butch used to oh. sleep, and then he lived in that. We lived in that room. We lived in that place for like another like fucking like eight months to a year, and then we we moved out. And then that's when I moved in with Fuenzalita. There must have been a crazy experience you had with Shoemaker in that period that McKenney knew about because I didn't remember what it was, but he was like, you guys go about the Shoemaker, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, he was going yeah. But uh I mean, we had plenty of crazy experiences. I can't really think of like the one he would be thinking about because there was lots of shit that happened at that tool did, shed. You remember Coco showing up with The Rock? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> That was when like things were going really downhill for Coco. Yeah, is he still around? I haven't seen him. Jake would see him occasionally. I think I don't know. I don't. This think... is my friend, The Rock. Yeah, fuck, dude. Dude, you 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 posted up some awesome footage about a few months ago. No, like a, like about like eight months ago, and it was like of the from that days? video. Remember where I'm like, yeah, I, I'm probably the best on the team, <laughs> yeah, or whatever. But you took that out, but there was still that footage. Did I? I find it. I was looking for it. I got a guy digitizing all my. Tapes. Oh, really? Yeah, awesome, man. I want to find that one that was like the promo. Yeah, the light bulb explodes. Yeah, because I remember that even. Yeah, that, you're like, that, I'm, at the, I think I'm the at best. The Brian Street. <laughs> Remember we did that line where the nose slide on that tall edge to big spin out. And yeah, backside Healy. Yeah. Backside Healy. Backside Healy. No Remember we used to Annie Hawk, too? Yeah. Dude. Dude, we did so for much. the girls' night out at yeah. the park. Shout out to Butcher. Shout out to Butcher. Shout, Shout out. out to Danny Fuenzalita. Shout out. Jake Nunn. Shout out. Oh, yeah. Greg Carroll. Greg C. Shout out. Greg C. Zach Martin. Shout out. Ears. Oh, Wicked Ears. Wicked Dude, Ears works at a hat shop down yeah. there. Oh, he Re- does? Reach hats. Does he run it or something? I don't know. He does something. He's like a pivotal guy. Nice. You know, he's like Greg C's assistant's assistant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What was it like when you turned pro, really? Like, was there a surprise? Do you remember that moment? Because that, I think that would be kind of the answer partially to Tim's question is like just getting your first pro model like I have arrived, that feeling. You know what? Like, I was getting paid when I was, like, sponsored. And that's just kind of how it was. Like, by the time, you know, like, that's, they wanted to keep, like, you know, their amateur skaters happy. Yeah. And, you know, they wanted to keep them surviving because you're putting all your time and effort into this team. And for me, it was just traveling, man. Like, just being able to do what I love and doing it with, like, my friends you know i I mean skateboarding was just about progression 
and being with your friends and having fun. That's what it was about for me. And that's when I, I knew that I found something that I loved. Right. And something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. But when you're that young, you don't ever think of things ending, especially skateboarding. Because you're young, you're hungry, you have that drive. And, you know, as you get older, things slowly start to deteriorate, you know. Mm-hmm. For and, me, it was my back. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But didn't Cardiel have some gnarly, like, back injury? And now is he skating again? He can skate a little bit. That but... dude was gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 fucking gnarly. Fucking gnarly. God damn. Well, dude, this meant the world to me. Super stoked to be able to get together with you. Yeah. Fucking those days that we had together, like I always hold dear my heart. Oh. Like me, you, Butcher, Greg C, talking shit on each other, talking <laughs> shit on people not in the room. It was just McKenny's floor. Remember Jones? Jones. <laughs> Jones. Jones is still selling stuff at the flea market. He's still got his shit down there. But holy shit. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, maybe we'll uh, get out of here to that Cougar song. Okay. What was the name of it? Walk Tall. Here it is, Walk Tall. This is Poncho Muller, kids. What are the movies coming out? One's called Candy Corn. The other one's called Three from Hell. And the other one's called Santa Fake. Check them out. I'll be watching it. I think Drohoba already has an advanced copy. Oh, yeah? Love you, Poncho. Thank Uh, you. Love you too, man. Thanks, lady. Dude, awesome, man. Simple-minded and the uninformed can be easily led astray. And those that cannot connect the dots, hey, look the other way. People believe what they want to believe when it makes no sense at all. And I wish you all along sideline and the string to walk down. Walk tall. It's the death of you and me Even though we don't think of it much It's still out there for us to see If you treat your life like a ballroom fight You die staying in a gym No drunkards allowed in heaven No sinners will get in Walk tall
dread Our enemies do is out Grace, mercy, and forgiveness Will help a man walk tall So walk tall Thank you for listening to another episode of Talkin' Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow up them charts. All the episodes will always remain free to my listeners, but if you'd like to help support the show, you can do so at our website, TalkinSchmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like stickers, beanies, t-shirts, or hats. The website has an entire archive of all the episodes with extra photos and video. You can also email me with any concerns, questions, suggestions, comments, etc. at TalkinSchmidt at gmail.com. That's Schmidt T-A-L-K-I-N-S-C-H-M-I-T at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by me, Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature, and a special shout-out goes to my executive director, Cheryl Camisa. Shout-out. Until next week, this is Talkin' Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper. Talkin' Schmidt, Talkin' Schmidt, Talkin' Schmidt. <laughs>